the soundtrack to your life. Uh, this week's workplace of the week, uh, I'm in Macclesfield, our hometown, uh, and I've come to a building with a lot of other companies in there, and I've come down to the lower ground floor, which is Sigma. Hello, Hilary, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all, uh, suffering after all the chocolate after Easter, but let's talk about Sigma. What's this all about and, and the history behind it all? So Sigma is a user experience a digital agency, and by that I mean we, uh, we do the best we can to make the internet and apps as good as they can be for people. So we do a lot of research with real users, um, real audiences of our clients, rather than just testing things online. We, we sit with people and we co-design and we we really try to get to the bottom of how users will behave with, with products. So they can be websites, intranets, mobile apps, um, quite a lot of corporate software. Corporate software is usually not very good. Um, users have been left behind, so we do quite a lot of usability work with corporate platforms to try and make people's daily lives using technology a bit, a bit better as well. When you so, say apps, yes. um, our radio station at Silk has an app, so no, would you use, would you work with a media yes, company in their yeah, app? Yes, yeah, we, we, we can do anything from researching and designing and prototyping the apps to try and give companies a, a, a start, or we can, we can do the full development and support the app. Um, or sometimes we can test apps that have been developed by other people, so we're quite kind of good at independently telling people whether or not they're they're hitting the mark. Um, there's a lot of apps out there. I mean, the app stores are absolutely flooded with them, particularly in things like health, where we do quite a lot of work. Um, and the quality varies. There's, there's been a kind of big rush for everybody to hit the market with their digital health tools. And what we're sort of encouraging is, you know, do they work? Do they encourage sustained behaviour? You know, do they really change people's lives? Are they accessible? So, you know, are they inclusive in their design? Do they work for people who might have different access needs to technology, different abilities or different digital confidence levels? So we, we try and take that very kind of user-centred approach to everything we do. So let's talk about briefly um, Sigma, the history of Sigma. Who's, who is Mr. or Mrs. Sigma. Mr. or Mrs. Sigma. Um, so we're actually a Swedish-owned company, as you can tell from my lovely <laughs> Swedish... I'm from the Swedish suburb of, of Cumbria. <laughs> so we, um, <laughs> we started the company... I started the company 2007, so we're just coming up to our 12th anniversary next year, in fact. Um, and we set up the company in the northwest because our parent company in Sweden already had a relationship with AstraZeneca. So that'll give you a huge clue as to why we're, we're here in Macclesfield. So we didn't want to just um, mirror what we were doing with AstraZeneca in Sweden. We wanted to bring that kind of usability and user-centered design approach to the new company as well. So we do a lot of work with AstraZeneca. They're still our largest client, um, but increasingly we're looking at helping them to make their platforms and their internal products better as well. So it's kind of come full circle. We were asked to set up the company to extend a relationship we already have, and now we've got a, a solid working relationship with them ourselves. So. Is Sigma national or is it just for the uh, No, we have, a, we have an off office here and we have an office in Cambridge so we have a, a second team based on the Welcome Genome Campus in Cambridge which is a fantastic place to be if you're interested in designing for health or life sciences so again AstraZeneca moving to Cambridge 
we we kind of um, did the same thing and, and and followed some of the relationship that we that we had there. So it, it works quite well. So it, Cambridge is a fantastic place to be if you're interested in. Never tech. been to Cambridge, and oh, I need to go. Yeah, Apparently, it's, it's got a lot of heritage there. So. Lot beautiful place. Uh, you need to get a bike, so <laughs> be prepared for that. Do you think um, I'll be going down yeah, Cambridge then? Change your mind. <laughs> yeah, not great for driving, but in terms of R and D and the tech community and startup. Um, technology companies it's just a, such a vibrant place so we're yeah we're very lucky to be there where did the name sigma come from is it a swedish name it, yeah it inherited so the parent the parent company brand is, is there's a there's quite a few companies uh, as part of that brand it's quite well known in sweden i say well known when you when you drive around stockholm or gothenburg you can see the sigma sign on on the side of buildings and it's still a little bit unnerving because we're in the sort of lower ground floor of a, a lovely old mill in macclesfield and we don't have the same but yeah it's, it's quite a well-known name out there. does it stand for anything like do the letters that nope, nope. so i'm just trying to work out where the actual word no, sigma just, just a brand name just picked up a, a greek letter and it's just a brand name but it, it, it's quite well known um for it consulting i think we focus very much on that kind of digital user experience space but the, the parent company is very much an IT consulting brand so uh, I don't know if you're aware there's a pop band called Sigma as well there is yeah, yeah. so yeah. you know about that we one, do yeah. Yeah, we sometimes get confused with them on Twitter oh, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah I don't think we've got quite as many fans but maybe one day <laughs> so going back to the apps then the uh, what what area of the internet or or technology and life would you say more apps are used as is it the fitness side of life is it the media entertainment side of life where are most apps being used i think i mean social media has been dominant so people using social media to connect with families and friends and follow news you know that that's that's pretty rife i think we've seen an increase almost like a second generation of apps everybody rushed to get kind of gaming apps out there and gambling apps out there and sort of their their brand apps so anything you could do with them online you could do via a mobile app as well that was a kind of first generation of you know you've got to have an app I think we've seen in the last maybe 18 to 24 months more maturity in the market and people are thinking you know really what does the mobile phone give me that a web experience doesn't give me what what's in that that box in my hand that that enhances that user experience so people are designing apps that really hook into the core technology of the the devices now and for health that's got all kinds of potential around things like you know you can see heart rate monitoring being you know common pretty much standard now in in apps um, you can see them connecting to wearable devices as well so that you can get kind of biometric measures and movement measures gps you know location-based services where you are when you when you are using that app is quite important particularly in things like retail and travel and leisure you know being able to serve up content that that is very relevant to exactly what you're doing at the moment whether you're about to buy a thing or you know engage in an experience i've seen you know apps used in theme parks to to manage queues you know which is a big problem so yeah there, there's all kinds of um applications for them it's a pun there you go well with the with the apps the apps um i i would i would go as far as to say that there is more use of apps than a desktop computer these days would you say that statistically it, well it depends what you're using them for mobile usage of the internet is now greater than desktop usage so that that's statistically true so more people will engage with services and products on a mobile or a handheld device than they will with a traditional laptop or you know screen based uh, monitor um, a lot of the things that you think are an app are actually just a, a website that just responds very well for a mobile mm. experience so 
you're not or even though you're using it on your on your phone it's not always an app it's not designed specifically for the phone it's probably designed to work across all screen sizes so probably creates the impression that everything is app based but actually there's some just really good responsive websites that work well on a mobile device the apps that i use a lot on my phone are things like the netflix mm-hmm. now tv because i've got a little daughter that yeah. likes to watch telly whenever Very we handy. go <laughs> yeah um and then the uh, the workout ones you know the gym ones yeah. Uh, I use those a lot. Uh, dare I say, I don't really use the Silk <laughs> Silk Radio app very often. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it, do you find that the the TV watchable apps? Yeah, are... and, and the media apps are quite common. And actually, there are uses for kind of Silk FM style apps in things like you know streaming in your car, where you can you know you can now stream from a mobile app to your car. Uh, system via Bluetooth, so people are kind of latching onto those media devices. I mean, they shouldn't be watching anything, but listening, I think, is is fine. And yeah, catch-up TV, media programs, people watching TV on demand is is pretty popular, and and it's it's very clever because it has a huge volume of usage. The, the sort of algorithms around what it then presents you with, and you know, pushing you further down that road of engaging further is is quite is quite smart really on behalf of the designers because once once you've started to use things you get recommendations you'll see what other people are users you'll see ratings and it kind of builds more of a social networking experience around something that was essentially you just watching a box set or a tv program so it's pretty clever okay so let's talk about um the fitness apps and all that kind of stuff so we've done some research we're doing some research now around um, just how engaged people are with them most people will have on their phone one two three four apps that come as standard um or there's the popular market brands like fitness tracker uh, Strava, if you're into cycling and running, uh, there's, the, there's, the one there's, that I use is my Fitness Pal. Yes, Have you heard of that yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. So it's quite they're, they're they're quite common, and most um, Apple or Samsung or shouldn't shouldn't brand them, but and most devices will come with its own flavour of recommended fitness apps. And then if you go into the App Store, there's a ton more that you can download and play with. I think what we're trying to get to the bottom of is, you know, how many times do people download, use once or twice, and then never really engage with the experience because it can be a bit gimmicky. Um, if the experience isn't great, people switch off quite quickly. If there's any sense that the data blips, you know, it's not really recording or, it, you know, it's, it's missed a reading, people lose trust in those apps and very quickly turn off so there's, there's quite a lot particularly around digital health and well-being of organizations trying to to vet and validate those apps so that they can make recommendations to you as a user so people like nhs digital other organizations are starting to build their own app libraries where they, they've kind of pre-qualified how good they are um, not necessarily for clinical use but for for fitness and, and well-being there's quite a lot out there now where people will say we've already tested these and it's it's a good selection of apps that you can use so it's trying to drive quality into the market um if somebody's listening to this and they own their own company mm. uh i'm gonna put you on the spot now <laughs> sell me an app tell me how would how would an Gosh, app i'm probably the worst <laughs> person to sell you an app because, well i'll tell you what. For, a long t- for a long time there was this kind of anti-app movement in the digital industry where everybody was saying oh yeah we've got an app for that and there was this kind of sense of well just just hold on because the market's flooded with them i think now anything as i said earlier anything that enhances your experience when you're live in a in a situation whether you're shopping whether you're out with the family whether you're in a restaurant even the cinema anything that can 
can serve up something to you that is meaningful and useful. Maybe it's a discount or it's a referral code, anything that knows where you are and it gives you something, the point of use. I think that that's probably where we're heading. If you can do that in the health space when you're actually you know, tapping into things like environment and pollution measures and what people's heart rate is doing and you know what, what they're sharing on social media in terms of if you can tap into that, it's pretty powerful. Um, there's obviously ethical considerations and data security considerations that come in because the more we engage in those experiences, the more we tell our phones exactly where we are, then you know the more they can kind of drag you in on on, on those things. And we need to be a bit careful. Everybody needs to consent to, to give up their data. And the more personal and the more health-related that data is, the kind of regulatory affairs kicks in. So I've noticed in your office here in Macclesfield, you've got um, a kitchen, a sit-down area, all that kind of stuff. Is everybody in this building got one of those? Um, some of the other tenants in this building are lucky enough to have that. So um, the the it's a really great space. This building, the tenants have done what they want in their own their own spaces on their own floors. So we recently refurbished. So we did a big program a big refit uh, tail end of last year a three months just completely ripping everything out and starting again so that social space that kitchen area is completely new to us um, is that for, is that for worker employees uh, employees visitors clients. Uh, oh, right. clients anybody that's coming in and working so we we have a, a lot of people who work from home so the the office can change from being very quiet to being really quite bustly so we changed the space to allow for different ways of working so we've got like this room and heat that we're in now is like a workshop room we'll invite clients in We'll use this as a sort of usability lab. We'll invite patients in, healthcare professionals in, and we'll really get them to test and try and break <laughs> the apps that we talked about. Um, and then there's kind of more social spaces out there where people can kind of just have quick huddles in, in the meeting huts or the, the boardroom style stuff. So we're loving it. It's working really it looks, well. It looks great out yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, great out it's there. really nice. And even though we're in the lower ground floor, we're getting some nice sunlight in as well now. So. When it shines. What's new for Sigma for 2019 and going forward? Yeah, exciting really. Three three main campaigns that we're, we're working on, um, a couple with our colleagues in Sweden. So we're working on a inclusive health campaign where we're really looking at how engaged people are in digital health and how much self-service and how much self-help they can get through the tools and products that are available. So that, that's really exciting because we get to work with patients and with clinicians and with service designers. Um, unified commerce is a is a is a thing we've established with some of our um, colleagues in Sweden who have worked with e-commerce over the years. We're looking at the ethics of that and how you can build more trust and um, build a brand's reputation through online shopping because there's some quite dark techniques used sometimes to get people to to shop online. So we're trying to kind of subvert that and make it a much more trusted experience. And then the last one we're looking at is is something called Tomorrow Work Life, which is really trying to help the poor employees who get you know rubbish rubbish technology. It's never been designed for them. They just get what they're given when they turn up at work. So we're trying to redesign that, that kind of work experience for people. So that'd be quite interesting. And you made some new connections, haven't you, recently? We have, yes. Yeah. So we've, as part of the ethical commerce campaign, we've we've forged a partnership um, with two partners that we were working with in Sweden. One is called InRiver. Uh, it's around product information management. So when you're buying something online, how can you trust that you're going to get the right 
product is it going to come in the right color is it going to look like the video that you saw is it going to come on time what's the after sales so we're working with a, a product information partner called in river who who have a solution that sits right at the heart of that um, and then the other one is a is an e-commerce engine that we're we are working with in sweden but it isn't currently in the uk market so we're trying to help them in the uk market so it's all about making that commerce experience as trusted as it can be, so people don't feel like you know they're being conned or they're they're getting the things that they didn't they didn't ask for or their shopping carts are being loaded with stuff that they're they're not interested in. So again, it's all it's all about user experience. It's just turning it to look at commerce. Hilary, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. The soundtrack to your life. Sessions, Silk six point nine. Six point nine.